everybody. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, we're going to talk to a professional companion and then count down the top five worst places to have excess body hair. Uh, I would say people outside of the industry tend to think that it's really all just about sex or kind of high level prostitution, but it's actually not you know, how to do that and how to meet those needs. Ideally, most of these men would love to have their needs met at home. They would prefer to be having sex with their wives than they would be with, you know, me or somebody else. But the reality is every single day I'm willing to face rape, assault, murder, every single day that I open my door to someone. The view is that I've met some women that I tell you what, (laughs) they are a force to be reckoned with. Um, in this industry. And it has been very empowering uh, for me as a woman. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Our first guest is fascinating. It's just a fascinating story. She's a professional companion. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically a high-end escort. And she gives us This really interesting look at what a sex worker's life is really like. That includes everything from dangerous situations, married men, unusual requests, and even some famous clients that you might have heard of. This is professional companion Stacey Robertson. So essentially, how did you become a professional companion? So I... Uh, and from, I have a master's degree in counseling and I'm 20 years as a child and family therapist and I got really burnt out. And after 20 years of uh, being in the industry, I was like, you know what? I need to break. Like, I'm too old for this. So I was trying to initially, I came in as a candy girl um, into the adult industry and because I could do my full time job during the day and then I work at night, like from 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. to like three in the morning. And then, I, so after the first week of camming, I was like, I, t- I think I texted my friend and I was like, I think I broke my vagina. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? I actually prefer, uh, I really missed the in-person um, aspect of connecting with people. So I did about six months of research. There are, I ordered a whole bunch of books on Amazon and read a lot of uh, websites and articles before I stepped into the industry as a companion. And then, so after about six months or so of camming and doing a lot of research, I put up my first ad and uh, so that I could, uh, that I could just kind of rest and recover from a long time of working in, in crisis and, you know, pretty, um, high intense cases as a therapist. So a professional companion and escort, is that the same thing or is that technically different? Uh, I, I consider it to be the same thing. Yeah, I think that there's been kind of a move in the industry to move away from the term of escort because it has some negative connotations, perhaps. And also, you know, professional companion really emphasizes more around the relationships and that are developed and the connection that you have during, because that's really what a lot of people want. Uh, I would say people outside the industry tend to think that it's really all just about sex or kind of high level prostitution, but it's actually not the elephant in the room question. Like when you do this, are you having sex with people or not? Or it just depends or? Uh, 
Uh, yeah, so it really just depends. So ultimately, you know, on the front end, it's always about my time. So a person will, you know, connect with me to spend time with me. And that's ultimately what they're paying for is, you know, my ability to connect and to make them feel, you know, adored and appreciated. And, and in my kind of therapy worlds, I would, I would say seen and heard and my ability to be present with them. And then as consenting adults, you know, if we choose to do something else with that time, then, then we, then we can do that. And yes, that does happen. But they're not specifically paying for that necessarily. Correct. Yeah. And if anybody wants, like, I don't, typically attract those kind of, of clients anyways. And so, you know, if someone kind of comes at me and that's what they want or they're approaching me you know, in that way, like, you know, I'm like, I'm not your girl. Cause that's just not my primary role or function or what I enjoy out of the, um, you know, the time together with people. So. But do you feel more pressure? Like, okay, yeah. Maybe I will do this. Maybe I won't. But there is pressure there. Like, what, does the money involved make you make a decision that maybe you normally wouldn't make? No, not for me. It doesn't. Um, and I and I would say that generally speaking, you know, yes, there is an underlying assumption that the possibility is there. You know, when when anyone sets an appointment, when I schedule an appointment, like that's yeah, that's the underlying assumption is that we may, you know, that that, that door can be opened just depending on how the interaction goes. You know, someone may not be, you know, they may find that they're totally not into me, um, and you know, and that's okay too. Um, or you know, it may they may have you know other kinds of issues going on that it doesn't go down that route. But the door is, is definitely there for for it to happen if we choose to. Have you ever had somebody get, you know, angry when it doesn't happen? I have not. No, I've had very positive, um, actually very positive experiences with, um, you know, gentlemen or, or clients in the industry. Um, very few. I know that it seems like it might be common to have a, you know, more negative experience for people who are just kind of jerks or, um, but that's not the case. Most of the people I encounter are actually very, um, very cordial, very polite. A lot of them, you know, are married and have families and they own businesses and, you know, so they're not out there trying to, you know, be mean to people typically. <laughs> are, are they looking for sex or are they really looking for just companionship? Um, I would say that they claim that they're looking for sex, but the reality is they're looking for connection. You know, at least for me, in my sessions, I mean, I I tend to be, as a therapist, I was what's called strengths-based and solution-focused, which works really well for the adult industry because I'm, you know, I it doesn't matter what someone looks like when they show up at my door. You know, I'm going to find all the things that are just awesome about them and that I adore about them and, you know, find ways to connect and to um, talk and to laugh and to giggle. And they are my number one priority in that hour. I make them feel like I don't have my attention anywhere else. And, and I enjoy that. And there's to me a therapeutic value in that as well, because it doesn't happen very often. Today's day and age, people are, you know, their relationships are strained, they're struggling, they're, you know, I don't know. I don't know that people really take time to really be with one another. You mentioned some of the men were married. Do the wives know? Do they not know? Or is this like, how do you kind of deal with that? Yeah, it, 
And that's a really, really good question because I do get, I get asked that a lot, even from, so I choose to be open in my life. My Stacy is my real name. I am transparent about what I do with my family members, my friends, my colleagues, everyone knows, um, you know, I don't go to the PTA and announce it, but, uh, but if someone asks me, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to share with them and tell them. So I get asked that question quite a bit. And ultimately what I believe uh, a foundational truth for me is that people have a right to have their needs met. And if they're not having their needs met in their relationship, and I would say that's primarily, like, I think that people have the perception that, you know, men who do this are just kind of jerks and they just want to, you know, they're sex addicts and, and, you know, they just want to get off and, and that's all their focus. And they're just stepping out and, you know, being an ass about it. But that's not actually the case. Most of the men that I know who do this, they're not getting any sex at home and haven't in months or years. And that is, it's shocking to me. It's appalling to me. And, um, and there's times when I just want to shake wives and say, Hey, you know, please connect with and meet the needs of your husband and and maybe he's not either. You know, there's, there's obviously some dynamics that are happening in relationships that just are not working for people. So that's the place that I come from is that ultimately he has a right to have his needs met. And if his needs are meet, being met at home as sexual needs, he is going to find a way to meet them. That is how human nature is and works. Um, and there's all kinds of avenues, you know, for how you know, how to do that and how to meet those needs. Ideally, most of these men would love to have their needs met at home. They would prefer to be having sex with their wives than they would be with, you know, me or somebody else. So I, you know, and when I have an appointment, I actually hold that relationship kind of, and this might sound odd, but that's okay. Um, cause I'm an energetic practitioner as well. Um, studied Eastern and Western philosophies and all kinds of alternative medicine and all kinds of alternative things. So I create a space where I create space for their relationship to be there with us. And I kind of hold that in sacredness. And my hope is that anything that we do, you know, in all of our talking and all of our interaction, that this gentleman goes out into the world a better person, that he feels happier, he feels more connected, that he might be more likely to connect with his family, with his wife, with, you know, be nicer when he's driving on the road, you know, so maybe it's Pollyanna in nature, the way that I view things, but that's really uh, what's important to me. And I feel like for the most part, the feedback that I get is that that's what happens is that, you know, someone is able to leave and feel um, just better about themselves. And to, and I also just endorse not feeling shame and guilt about what you want and what you need. And a lot of people struggle with that still. They struggle with feeling validated that they have a right to have sexual desires. I feel like most men feel really guilty about that. Um, and women don't understand. They don't understand maybe the nature of a man's brain, his body, his relationship with his penis, um, you know, and, and they need to. Um, and men struggle with, with vocalizing those things. So there's still a lot of room for us to grow in our, um, culture around talking about sex and, and connecting with ourselves about sex. It's still a very taboo subject.
Now, obviously, as a woman, you know, I don't want to hurt anyone at all, you know, and, you know, if I have run into situations where I happen to have met or know in the community someone's, you know, partner, um, you know, which also humanizes the experience, you know, it puts a name and a face to, you know, this woman who's on the other side of this relationship, um, you know, for perhaps a client. Um, and so I just really practice not judging, uh, and allowing myself to feel difficult feelings around like, yeah, this doesn't feel very good. And I know that it wouldn't feel very good to her if she knew that. But I also recognize that there's a deeper issue in the relationship than just what's happening, you know, at the surface. And so, um, I still feel, you know, valid in being able to say like, Hey, there's, there's something here that's broken and needs to be fixed. But it's not necessarily my industry, if that or my role in the industry, if that makes sense. It does. So your first time that you did this, what was that like? Were you nervous? Did you know what to expect? Um, I was very, very nervous, and I actually, you know, I'm really grateful that uh, I just feel blessed. <laughs> Uh, because my actual first experience, I, you know, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I, you know, I actually put myself in danger. And so I look back at that and I'm like, oh my goodness, thank goodness that I was okay. And, you know, um, so I, you know, I met up with someone who hadn't given me a lot of information and, you know, was, uh, we were outside, it was late at night, you know, and so it was really kind of awkward and it was, my, you know, spidey senses were kind of going off, but I, you know, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And at the time, even though I'd done a lot of research, you know, you still just think, well, I'm not sure exactly what to expect. And, uh, and, and the safety aspect is certainly a big issue and something that, you know, you want to, especially women in the industry feel you know, a lot of them feel very unsafe because, you know, we're meeting people who are strangers to us um, that we don't know. And, and we don't know, you know, we're, we're in our, in personal proximity to them. So our bodies and our homes and our, you know, whatever are kind of um, vulnerable, so to speak. So uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a little nerve wracking. And I would say the first probably year and a half that I was in the industry, I was really timid about it. And then, um, this last almost year now, I've, I just kind of said, you know what, I'm going to own this. I'm going to own my role. I'm going to own, this is who I am and this is what I do and I'm going to go with it. And when I did that, it made a huge difference. Are you pretty highly sexual in the first place? You know, I did. Oh, sorry for my squeaky chair. <laughs> uh, I would not have initially considered myself to be highly sexual, but I, I also think that if I'm comparing myself to people that are in the industry, you know, I, I'm pretty girl next door and, and, um, on a funny note, kind of vanilla for someone who <laughs> does have as much sexual experience as I do. Oh, I get some good laughs about that. Um, but, you know, overall, maybe compared to other women, or even if I compared myself to, you know, previous versions of myself in my life, I certainly am more sexual now than I ever have been. Um, but it, that's been a journey 
since for about the last nine years or so, pretty much after I turned 40, I just got really invested in connecting with my body in understanding my body better in understanding um, pleasure and how to have more pleasure. That's been, um, and that's been, it's been a fun journey to learn how to do that. So how much do you charge? Like how much money can you make doing this? Well, you can make a lot of money. I mean, I, you know, my, my rate is three. I'm trying to think of what I'm at right now, like $350 an hour. Um, and so it just depends on how many, you know, clients that you're able to see in a week or want to see. I don't tend to, you know, I tend to err probably on less. Um, so I might see one to two a day. Um, and usually I just work Monday through Fridays, but sometimes I do evenings or weekends. Uh, just depending on the person. So I guess here's the thing, like what's the downside? What's the downside? Like why aren't more people doing this? Oh gosh, there's tons of downsides. I mean, I think that, so there's a huge amount of stigma that is associated, you know, with this. There's legal issues that are associated with it that you have to be very mindful and very careful about. There's safety issues, you know. I mean, as I say, I mean, I could, I can vet someone, but the reality is, Every single day, I'm willing to face rape, assault, murder, you know, every single day that I open my door to someone. And for, for me to feel that passionate about what I do, that I'm willing to face those things, you know, it, it, it really says something about the industry also and how important it is. Um, the other downside is people get, you know, I mean, there's people who have stalkers, there's people who lose their family members. And friends because of it, uh, you know, because outside of the industry, it's really difficult for people to understand, um, you know, the, the work that we do do and the risks that we face and, you know, and, and then judgment around, you know, because there's a lot of kind of alternative lifestyle uh, and fetishes that I'm now familiar with that I, you know, wasn't familiar before coming into the industry and, you know, a lot of people have judgments about those things. Um, so I would say that that's the primary reason that most people don't, you know, they use a persona and a fake name and an alias and take all kinds of measures to protect themselves. Uh, I just, I, I was mentored by someone else in the industry who she also uses her real name and she's very authentic. She's 10 years older than me. And it just mattered to me to be more congruent and authentic with who I am and transparent. And I'm willing to have those difficult conversations with people in my personal life. And so it's also, I just consider it to be a luxury as well that I'm educated and articulate. And therefore I feel a sense of, you know, really wanting to advocate for the industry or take a stand and say, Hey, you know, this, this isn't as bad as what people think that it is. And there's lots of us who are, who are doing this and we are, you know, great and empowered women. Cause I think that the, the view is that I've met some women that I tell you what, <laughs> they are a force to be reckoned with, um, in this industry. And it has been very empowering, uh, for me as a woman. Um, not, I haven't encountered at all, like kind of that idea around people thinking, Oh, you're just being sex trafficked or, Oh, you have daddy issues or, you know, I, I don't find that to be true. Is this legal? Mm, uh, no, 
<laughs> it is not. But is even okay. Is it even kind of legal in the sense like, all right, I'm not selling you drugs. I'm selling you this piece of paper and the drugs come free. Like, can you get it around it like that? Or is it basically like, no matter how you do this, it ain't legal? Yeah. So, and that's, that's kind of, that would be, that's a great concept or way to explain kind of what it is. Yeah. So it's basically, I'm selling you my time. You know, you're, you're paying to spend time with me. And if something else occurs, then great, that's a bonus. And that's kind of the workaround for, you know, not considering it active prostitution. Um, you know, that you're not actually selling a sex act, a particular sex act for money. So there's a lot of kind of, um, yeah, wording around that and, uh, so that people, yeah, can stay but there's legal. Not, I mean, yeah. There's not like undercover police trying to catch you or something like that. Yes, there are. Did you spot them out or like, did you get arrested or what, what happened? No, no, it's just known in the industry. I mean, they set up stings. Um, and, and I would say that's the primary way that they, you know, try to, um, catch, you know, catch people or arrest people is through stings. Like, uh, you know, usually they're going to set something up for a high volume, but yeah, they're always looking for, I mean, that's the very first thing that I note or that I, you know, create awareness around when I'm talking with someone who's new is, you know, in the back of my mind, is this a police officer? And are they, are there certain kinds of behaviors that they're doing that would lend me to think that maybe they are? So yeah, that's, it's a, it's a daily thought and, and occurrence that you worry about that happening. Yeah. I guess I feel kind of, there's a difference, right? There's a difference between the person on the street and somebody like yourself. Like one I get, yes. the other I don't quite get why somebody is – how do you feel about it? Do you feel like what you're doing should be illegal or do you feel like it should be fine? I think it should be decriminalized um, for sure because there's – you know, I would say that the, the fact that it is illegal is around – you know, there's just lots of stuff, right? It's a way to oppress a certain population. It's a way to control. It's a way to um, – uh, you know, generate more money. <laughs> There's lots of things. Uh, and certainly people are worried about trafficking and yes, no one wants someone who's underage or someone who is being coerced in the industry. You know, those are all bad things or, you know, bad from the standpoint of not healthy or helpful for someone. Um, but the majority of people in the industry are not that, and they're not doing that. And not even anything close to that. And so, and, you know, this is, it's considered the, what, the oldest prostitute or oldest profession in the world is prostitution. Um, so, you know, there's all of this stigma and, and all of these things. But yeah, the reality is also that sex is a very, very, typically a very small portion of the interaction. Um, I mean, I have people who, you know, pay for overnight dates. And I might spend, you know, 12 hours or 24 hours with them. And we're, you know, going to concerts and going out to dinner and, and laughing and watching comedy. You know, it's like we're spending 11 and a half hours hanging out and doing everything but sex. So um, there's so much more to it than, you know, some 
blowjob in, in a back alley. <laughs> so. Are you ready for the harder slash listener submitted questions? Sure. Most interesting thing someone has asked you to do. Mm, most interesting. So I had a client who wanted me to dress up in, so I was in hose and heels and dress pants and a silk shirt as if I was going to the office. And they wanted me to lay on the bed with them and talk with them about how if I got really angry, I could overpower them and that I, I would turn into the Hulk if I got really angry. <laughs> and I mean, like, for like three hours worth of talking. <laughs> like specifically so that, the Hulk? Yeah. Yeah. Specifically that I would, I would just turn into this Hulk and enraged um, and not necessarily like, you know, my clothes would rip off and I grow and, you know, get like, like the Hulk, but um, that, yeah, I could, I could just be really mean and um, I, and I get really strong when I get angry and I could hurt it. Did you get it or did you understand why they wanted this or was it just like, okay. No. Yeah. And, that, and of course, you know, the therapist in me is I, I love trying to understand human behavior and why people do what they do. So in the back of my mind, I, you know, there were times that I'm like, what is going on here? You know, and I, and I've had other requests too, especially like foot fetishes and things like that. And I can't say, I mean, what I did get it with this particular person is that, you know, they're, um, you know, probably like an engineer in their profession, very type A, you know, they were in, um, you know, higher up in management and, and things. And so, um, a lot of times that will lend itself to someone who wants to be more submissive in the bedroom if they've been, you know, very kind of in a powerful position outside. But at the same time, it's, it's a very, it was a very unique request. And so, yeah, I wasn't really sure why, but I was willing to, you know, I was willing to try and and see if that would make them happy. <laughs> so and it did. <laughs> Most you have made in a week. Oh, let's see. Most I've made in a week. Mm, I've probably had a close to $5,000 week before. That's pretty good money. <laughs> yeah. Is that now? Yeah, would that all had, be from one person, or is that just from? No, yeah, from multiple. Like one time, I had two. Uh, like the week of Christmas, I think it was. I had two overnights that week, actually, and those are like two thousand twenty five hundred dollars a pop. So yeah, I made actually. I probably made seven thousand that week. Would okay. Would anybody listening know any of your clients? Um, okay. So that implies like if there's just regular random listeners, if I've had a client that would be noteworthy, right? Yeah. Like somebody that uh, like, Ooh, people would know who that person is. <laughs> um, yes. It's, it's at least locally. Yes. Can you name the industry? Now I'm really curious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me ask. No. Okay. Can I ask you this? Business or athletics related? Uh, both. Ooh, what a mystery. <laughs> what a mystery. Younger or older? <laughs> Younger or older? Uh, usually, um, the couple people I'm thinking of, they're, they're older. They're my age and older. Okay. Last question in Which this regard. you might not know my name. Yeah. <laughs> last question in this regard. If on a one, on a scale of like one, 
they're just kind of famous, like, uh, maybe somebody has heard of them somewhere, someday, like, in a town of, in a town of a hundred people, they're known. Ten, like, worldwide global celebrity. Where would you put them at in that list, from, like, least to most oh. famous? It'd be more, um, let's see, I, so, probably, like, a five. That's still pretty good. That's like, yeah. that's like a not really well watched Hollywood movie kind of famous. <laughs> yeah. Like a B actress. <laughs> yeah. Like a well known B actress. That would be perfect. Um, yeah. This one's kind of, I guess it's a little bit of a different, but how does, you know, how do family and friends feel about it? They actually, I, I, and that's where I just feel really, really blessed. I, you know, my family and my friends have been just incredible, but you know, I think too, they know me. And so I, I will, I will tell you, this is kind of funny when I, I sat my mom down a couple of years ago, um, uh, and it was like, I don't know, it was around Mother's Day or my birthday or something like that in May. And I said, mom, I've got something to tell you. And she said, okay. So I told her. And she just looked at me and I said, well, do you have anything to say? And she's like, at least you're not pregnant again. <laughs> and that probably had the context of that being funny is I have eight children. So. <laughs> yeah, that's. Did, now they, yeah. Did, so that's, that's all she had to say. Most of them just asked me, you know, my kids, my sons are older and, you know, I've got kids that are uh, in their my daughter's turning 30 and then most of them are in their twenties and some teenagers. So they just ask, are you being safe? Are you safe? You know? And I said, yeah, and that's about it. They're like, okay, cool. Are you happy? Yeah. All right. They're good. <laughs> it's such an interesting thing, right? Cause you do what you do and people would have a certain kind of a reaction to that. And then there's people mm -hmm. who might be like a lawyer and they've ripped off thousands of people or you're the head of a company and we pollute right. the environment. And that's totally acceptable. But what you do, people right. are like, mm, mm. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's an interesting. Well, and I feel like I, I represent kind of breaking some molds around, you know, yes, I, I have a master's degree and 20 years experience as a child and family therapist. And then, yes, I'm a mother of, you know, I've given birth to eight children. And then, yes, I do this. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, it's kind of mind blowing to people when they're, you know, I can see them just look at me and try to take it all in. Like you said, what you do, what? <laughs> um, and that's the fun part. But I also think that that's the important part is because, you know, with everything that's going on in the world right now too, like we, we put people in these boxes and we stereotype them and we make assumptions about who they are and what they do. And the reality is that we're all just, we're all humans. And, you know, we all have mothers and, you know, we're all someone, someone cares about us, you know, regardless of our skin color and our religion and our profession. And it's like, let's get past some of that. It's about damn time. Because of what you do for a living, can you find joy and like companionship outside of this? Or does it make it more difficult to kind of have a real relationship yeah. And this, this is what is actually exciting. So I love this question. My partner and I are actually going to create a podcast together. So yes, I am actually in a relationship and have been for, I don't know, probably about six months now. And it was someone who I met as a client. They were a client first and it's a very interesting dynamic. Uh, and it certainly you know, as with any relationship, it takes work and it takes, uh, you know, being transparent and a lot of communication and, 
And I would say that there's a good chunk of people who are in the industry who are in relationships, but I feel like the perception outside of the industry is that, is that women aren't in relationship or that they don't, you know, perhaps don't deserve a relationship or people will say, well, who would date someone who, you know, does what you do. And that's why, you know, I'm going to be talking about that even a lot more and just, you know, some of the struggles that we have faced and how we've gotten through those things and, and how we, what kind of conversations that we have, you know, from trust and then, you know, how do I keep things private also? So there's an element with my work, right. That, you know, I'm not going to reveal everybody's personal information. Who's my clients like this discretion and being discreet is a part of that process. Um, but it works and it works really well. I mean, I'm thrilled. I feel like I, I met my, my soulmates, like he's fucking awesome. And he, he loves what I do and he, you know, he's supportive and in a lot of ways. And, and of course he understands that side of me. Um, but also it's, we talk about how, you know, when I, when I go to work, I go to work. Um, there's a kind of a uniform per se that I have. There's some mental and emotional things that I do to kind of go into the office, so to speak, which is how I approach it. Um, and then there's my personal life. And so certainly some of those things might overlap, but you know, him being now on the side of, he's not on the client side anymore. And I told him when we first started dating, I was like, you better put on your seatbelt because <laughs> now you're in my personal life. And now, you know, you're going to see like the whole behind the scenes and, and, uh, you know, who I am on the regular, you know, on a regular basis, not just who I am for this hour of time that I have, you know, with someone. And it's been really good. I want to thank Stacy so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we have also included her information on the RSS feed that's on this podcast. And I'm really curious to let us know what you guys think about this. Because there's definitely some areas where you can feel one way one minute and feel completely the other way the other minute. As you probably heard, she's also going to be starting a podcast of her own. So check back and we'll make sure that we update the RSS feed with the link to that podcast when it gets off the ground. I think it, I think it's going to be really interesting. I really do. Okay. Now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. Hello. Are you a sexual man? <laughs> yes. I guess by, yes, I am. Okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being like, you get it once a year, you're good. 10, like it's got to be three times a day. Where do you feel like you have been throughout your history? Wow, throughout my history. Um, you know, I'm going to say like between a 3 and a 4. Wow. That's pretty much the same as me, right? Like I don't – I've never been lacking necessarily, but I've never – I'm not nearly as big of a horn dog, I think, as some of my friends. Yeah, I, I, I would put myself like maybe slightly below average, and it's not. I, I don't think it's because I, I, you know, the opportunities weren't there. I just think it's just the way I am. If that makes any sense. I mean, first off, I knew you when you were younger. The opportunities weren't always there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, listen, you know, there. 
<laughs> yeah, I got nothing to say to that. I, I think if we all look back on what we what we were like when we were younger, I don't know how anyone, male or female, uh, could be sexual. I mean, the, the outfits I wore were enough to turn most people off. I don't even know how I even got talked to. It look anytime you have on shorts and a long sleeve dress shirt, that's not going to work out for you. And look, <laughs> honestly, all people would have to do is look at your past history and be like, oh yeah. That's basically the case study of that right there. That's not going to work out for you, though. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing uh, long sleeves and uh, shorts today, speaking of, but not a polo. What kind of shirt you got on? <laughs> one of the ones you chastised me and made fun of me for wearing, like one of those you know, dry-fit T-shirts. So picture the kind of person for people who've never seen John picture the kind of person who shouldn't be wearing a dry fit under armor type t-shirt and there you go he's not that look he's not that big he's just not the kind of person that should be wearing that shirt but I mean I'm at home right I'm working from home you Nobody... should still know better you should still know better you shouldn't you actually when you had that in the checkout line someone should have stopped you at that point and said no well it's not gonna happen man have you ever been really called out while buying anything? Like had somebody say, you don't need that. No, not that I can remember. I mean, I think that takes a pretty brazen person just to say, you know, just to look at you and make a comment like that. I had one time I was out shopping and I was buying work clothes and I went in and asked somebody for help at a store that I probably shouldn't have been in. Like it was too nice of a store for me. And the guy just looked at me and was like, mm, you do need help, but you're not going to find it here. Oh, man. Uh, well, I, two things. One, I, I would never go to those stores for many reasons. And two, what an asshole. No, he was exactly right. I respected his. I respected him being honest and telling me, that, like, look, this isn't the place for you. I'm like, okay. I respect that. I mean, he wasn't – but he wasn't judging me based – on the color of my skin or my physical appearance, he was judging me based on my clothing selection, and he could tell that by looking at my clothes that I was not going to buy any of the clothes in this store, and they weren't going to be right for me. So he really saved me a lot of time and money. I appreciate that. I want to ask you one question because I was deeply offended today, not by you surprisingly, but by somebody that I love dearly, my wife, okay? what's the, When it comes to thinking of the things that your wife has said to you recently or in the past – What's what's something that just has driven you nuts? Is, is there anything that comes to mind? She told me that I really need to start working out and I'm putting on some weight and I need to do something about it. <laughs> but you did. I, I, I think last episode of the week or the episode before you, you started working out again, right? What I believe her words was, wow, I really miss 2013 Nick, not this chubbo <laughs> that's standing in front of me right now. <laughs> well, that's. That's pretty brutal, and if my wife ever said that to me, uh, I'd probably just go grab a bag of Oreos and just just lock myself in the bedroom. Double stuff? Yeah, of course. And a gallon of milk. If chocolate milk, <laughs> then I respect it. If it's not chocolate milk, I don't care. Either way. Um, it makes a big difference. To... It makes a big difference if it's chocolate milk or if it's regular milk. If it's regular milk, it's a waste of time. If it's chocolate milk, then okay. Is that a proven fact again, Sir Nicholas? Yeah, it is. Everybody likes chocolate more than regular. I actually agree with that, but I, I don't think that that's the case overall. But it, it doesn't matter. That's just wrong. Either way, I agree, I agree with you. So we're just going to be arguing against nothing. Okay, um, get to it. 
we needed some things. We need some things done around the house. My wife wants to hire a handyman, like a local handyman to come do them. Not because she won't tell me to my face she thinks that I'm useless and incapable of doing these things. She says that it will save us, you know, save me time and effort. Okay. How many construction projects around the house have you completed before? Is this a regular thing? Do you occasionally try to do this? I need to know the regularity before I can judge. I mean, I would say I'm gonna, like, I, I do things if they're needed. And, and, and these things, I wouldn't say aren't needed, but they're like on the, the honeydew list, right? Okay, what are we talking and, about? Are we talking about electric, electrical work? Because you shouldn't be doing that. I mean, like, one thing is I, I need to, um, we have a bidet, and I need to install the hot water line. But to get to the hot water line, you have to drill through a wall and run the hot water line. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, what, that's above your pay grade. Also, you have a bidet? I, we do have a, a, a bidet. Shout out to Nick Bruce, who like gave me the idea. Wait a minute. You installed the bidet purposely? Is your ass that dirty? <laughs> I will say this. I... Hell, I don't even think I knew what a bidet was five years ago. And then a friend of mine started talking about his and said, you know, it's it's the cleanest your ass will ever be. And I said, and that's interesting. So then when COVID hit and, you know, you couldn't find toilet paper in, in Michigan, my wife was like, we should get a uh, bidet. And we got it. We've gotten a bidet, a, a bidet, like back in April. And I'll be damned if it's not maybe one of the best things I've ever spent money on. Okay, first of all, how much does it cost? Ooh, that's a, I'm going to be really wrong because I don't remember, but I want to say it was maybe like 150 bucks. So that's not crazy. Like how much does a regular toilet seat cost? A regular toilet. I mean, I, I don't know what, 30, 40 bucks probably? A toilet is way more expensive than 30 oh, or 40 dollars. Oh, a toilet? I thought you said a seat. Um, I, I don't know, maybe... 150 200 bucks 300 bucks something like that probably okay hold on i'm looking this up right now toilet cost roughly between 115 and 225 dollars so it's not crazy okay but how like first of all my concern would be the temperature of the water like you really have to nail that down beforehand because you don't want to just get a hot blast or a super cold blast right in there right yeah, I mean, I, I want to see where you're going with this, but yes, yes. And right now all we have is cold water, so my wife won't use it. So I'm the only person that has a stream of cold water going up my ass every time I take a shit. So, like, how cold are we talking? Like, cold enough to make you shiver? Or just like, ooh, that's a little cold? <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you turn on the no the, the, the nozzle or whatever, and it's like, oh, well, there it is. Ooh, that's kind of nice. Does it hit dead center bullseye, or do you slightly, like... <laughs> Are you slightly, well, it, or like, is it a grenade? You just kind of get a little close. Well, no, it, it comes with a lever actually that you can adjust the height of the of the sprayer. So, like, you can go from front to back, like in terms of the butt. You can go from you know, like the gooch area to like the upper butt crack. Oh, so it does it move like on a horizontal plane, a vertical plane, or can it move like in three hundred and sixty degree rotation? No, like it can go from like 90 degrees to like 50 degrees. Oh, okay. But at some point, do you hit dead center bullseye while you're strapping fire? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Th think of like, you know, you're shooting bullets and like you're you're getting hit by a waterfall. 
how far in there is it going? Are you like, oh, <laughs> oh my god, nobody cares. No, I, that, I'm, I think it, this is a bidet that we're talking about. Um, I just want to know. I've never actually met somebody who used a bidet. I just want to know. Does it like? Are we talking about a little bit of penetration, or does it scratch the surface? I mean, it scratches the surface. It's, it's like knocking to get in. Like it's you know. Like it, it's like so, like your pesky neighbor that knocks on the door, then like goes to open it before you can get there. Have you ever like lingered? <laughs> I mean, of course. Who hasn't lingered? I think anyone who has a bidet would say yes, they've lingered. Interesting. <laughs> Anyways, okay. I, I don't know how. This so you're going to install the hot? I think that's a like a more complicated job than you think it is. Plus, anytime when you're doing, I feel like water or electric. There's just too much possibility for fucking it up. Also, your wife knows. That means also that you've done a job and you've kind of screwed it up. And she didn't say anything directly to you, but she's always been thinking about how we should get somebody else to do this. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. I've screwed up pretty much everything I've ever done. And see, for all you aspiring young men out there who think you're in love, just remember this. That when you when they give you a task, like the first or second task of dating – and you and you let them down then they they'll never forget it never never for anybody who is not married John and I are both married and I will tell you this that I once installed curtains in our first house and they were supposed to be 38 inches apart between the different bars that hold up the curtains the stuff on the top and they were 38 38 37 and 7 eighths. <laughs> and she has never let me down ever let me off the hook on that in eight years almost of knowing each other she will still look at me sideways whenever i'm like okay i'm gonna go put on a new propane tank like oh really you don't think we should get somebody else to do that remember that time you were one eighth of an inch off installing one of 50 different fucking curtains and have i ever lived it down and does it secretly haunt our relationship and drive me fucking insane yes it does (laughs) well 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 uh uh, yeah, I'm not going to say my story because you pretty that you've summed up all my feelings in that that little rant. So thank you. It's honestly been is the angriest I've ever been at my wife. She said something about it. I took a spatula and threw it over the fence. I was so <laughs> angry. It's it's over. It's over for you. It's over for you, and you have to accept it. Okay, are you ready to move on? <laughs> I am. I, that was actually kind of an awesome segment. I'm. Oh wow! I'm way to ruin it. it. You going to go to the bidet? Um, you going to go to celebrate on the bidet after this? I'm, I'm actually I'm sitting on it right now. While, while I give shout outs to people, I want you to know that I'm on a bidet right now. Okay, so give um, me a time. Give me a time frame. What's the longest amount of time you have lingered after your business was done on the bidet? <laughs> We're talking one minute, five, ten, thirty, two days? No, I mean, probably 30 seconds. Here, here's the thing that I, I wanted to get to on that. Is you really, there's probably like 10 notches, so to speak, that you can go to on the pressure. I have not dared to go past three because, I mean, that's enough in terms of, like, water pressure. I couldn't imagine getting to ten. You probably rip your asshole apart. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to experience that. That's really like your home improvement thing, right? There's some some lines you don't cross. All right, uh, let's for, move on. It's like a water pick, right? You, you go up to, like, eight or nine and it rips your fucking gum apart. Yeah, we got it, dude. Let's go. All right. All right. So uh, once again, here's some shout outs. Appreciate everyone checking us out. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Get one of our shirts, by the way, too. They're actually kind of badass. Uh, profoundlypointless.com. So uh, big thanks goes to Pierre, uh, Jamie Goodman, 
Jake, Robin Campbell, Chuck goes to the movies. Check him out. He actually has some good stuff on his Twitter account. Um, Desmond Obika, Jay, Roy Allen, Carol Abid, and Andy. You all get the uh, special good st- gold star of the week. So uh, appreciate you all for checking us out. All right, Nick. Uh, so speaking of what we just talked about, I'm curious to know if your wife offered to get a handyman or you could just do it in spite of her and do it yourself, Which what are you doing? What are you choosing? I mean, it depends a little bit on the cost. If it's going to be pretty expensive. Wouldn't we just talk about this whole thing? Why are we even talking about it again? Because I, I, I want to know your opinion. I, I, I just wanna told know if, you. We went over it for like 10 minutes. It's just a simple question. I want to know if your wife comes to you and asks you if, to get a handyman or are you going to do it yourself? What are you choosing to do? Well, it depends what it is. I mean, Say if it's there's in- six mini, mini, mini to medium projects that need to be done and she goes, hey, to save time uh, and maybe a little bit of money, maybe – Let's hire a handyman, or you can spend an entire Saturday doing it. What are you going to do? Well, whenever, anybody, whenever I'm faced with the option of having somebody do a job in less amount of time and for less money than I could do it, then I would obviously take that option. I don't know, man. I'm too, I'm too prideful of a person. I'm going to turn it down 100%. I'm pretty sure my exact words to her were, if I see anyone show up in my driveway that can do something I can do, I'm going to cut their tires. But anyways, uh, moving on. Um if you're at a, uh, say, like a Target, are you going to go directly to the bargain bin or are you going to browse like the designer clothes just to see if anything catches your eye? I don't go into any kind of a store without a mission. I don't look around. I don't shop. I don't do that stuff. I don't go into a store unless I know what I'm getting and then I go right for that thing and then I leave. Look, they recently, I'm going to give somebody some... Maybe advice, maybe they'll take this, maybe they're not. But they recently did a study, and you know one of the most number one things that predict how successful somebody is going to be is if they approach things with a strategy. So you need to have a strategy in everything that you do. And if you don't have a strategy and you just go into a store and follow whatever flashing light is in front of you, then you're going to get distracted. you got to have a strategy in everything that you do, whether that's drinking at the bar or going to Target. I mean, it sounds like you're just setting this podcast up to release a book there, John Bolton. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, all right. My last one is we had uh, we had a guy here in Michigan who won uh, he won four million dollars on a scratch off game uh, three years ago. He just won the same game four million dollars in the beginning of June. Blows my mind. Anyways, um, so if you are going to gamble that way, are you doing scratch off games like? You know, $50 a week on scratch-off games, or are you just going to try to do, like, the Powerball? No, I go big or I go home on that kind of stuff. And that's a man who, like I was talking about before, had a strategy, and he stuck with his strategy. And look how it paid off. He won the lottery twice. You don't just go in there and, like, I'm going to pick all sevens on Kino. (laughs) I can honestly tell you, I I play the Powerball when it gets to be a certain level. And I'm that asshole when they're like, do you want to pick your numbers? I'm like, yeah, I'll pick my numbers. And then I step off to the side and I think about things like I'm never going to win. I'm never even going to come close to winning. The ridiculousness of that is I only play Powerball when the odds are much less likely that you're going to win, like when it's really big. Like there's even less of a chance of you winning and now I'm going to play. <laughs> I, I, I'm i going to say this publicly that if I ever win Powerball, I am going to give you um, a bidet. Okay. I'll, right, try, I'll test it out. <laughs> you probably like it. 
Maybe. I don't know. I've never <laughs> ventured down that road. Maybe it's a road I'd like to go down. <laughs> I Listen, I, I, I don't regret it one bit, so there, there's that. Uh, hopefully, I just sold a bidet to somebody. I just couldn't imagine actually going into the store and, like, getting it. I feel like you'd have to wear a hat and kind of hide a little bit. Like, I'm here. You got any, uh... And you wouldn't actually use the name. You'd just try to hope that they figured out what you were actually talking about. Like, you got, uh, you got one of those things that, like, uh, shoots water up? <laughs> a bidet. Do you have a bidet? Do you have a bidet? I feel like that's what you say. And then, knowing whoever that is, they would run into somebody like you or me, and they'd be like, oh, you mean a bidet? Yeah, they're right there. Aisle nine. Cleans your ass really great. <laughs> Dirty butt. Dirty butt coming down nine. <laughs> All right, are you ready for our top five? I, I am. I My opinion doesn't matter on this because I can't grow any, but let's do it. Okay, so our top five is top five worst places on your body to have excess hair. What's your number five? <laughs> uh, I put uh, your nose. Oh, that's way too low, man. I think that's way – I think that should be way higher on the list. I mean, I, I think our number one is universal, I would hope, but uh It's not, because I can tell you right now that I'm pretty sure from the way your list is going that we're not going to have the same number one. <laughs> I put the nose just because that's about one of three places I can grow hair, and it is, I mean, if I don't trim it like every week, I, I mean, I got the shit that curls around my nose and they touch sometimes, it's just, it's insane. Oh, like one of those bull rings? Yeah, exactly, like the bull ring, yep. Okay, my number five is feet. That's a weird place for excess hair. Is where? Feet. Oh, feet. Um, I don't, okay, I don't, even, I don't even think I've ever even looked at my feet for hair. Well, so. look, look right now. <laughs> Live, uh, John Scholl looking at his feet for hair. I mean, I got some on my toes, but that's about the only place I have any hair on my feet. Yeah, but if you had a whole bunch, it looks like Hobbit stuff. It looks a little strange. What's your number four? <laughs> uh, armpits. Oh, that's a good one. Somehow I left that off. Yeah. Uh, you know, once again, you can manicure any of these things uh, that I talk about usually or that I have on my list, but just people who let their armpit hair grow, especially men, maybe like I'm stereotyping, but like elder, older men. Who like ha you know they like have their arms just down at their sides and like it's protruding out of their armpit. That's basically the test, right? If you put your arms down to your sides and you can still see hair, you need to trim that up. That's the test. That's when I know, <laughs> yeah, I like, all right, time to cut. Are. You need to trim it. Actually, it's kind of nice. Like I trim mine down. It's pretty comfortable. I like it. A little prickly at first. You have to get used to it. What's your? <laughs> oh, my number four is hands. You see somebody with some really hairy hands. It's a little weird. See, once again, I, I don't, I mean, besides a little knuckle hair, I don't have any hair on my hands, so I, I didn't even think to put that. I don't either, but next time you look at somebody with some really hairy hands, they're a little bit, mm, a little bit sketchy. What's your number three? <laughs> I have uh, your back. Okay. I think that's, I think that's a little low. I think back, I have back actually is number two. I think back is like the second worst place to have a lot of it. I just, once again, I don't have any chest hair or back hair, so I don't know how it is. I can't, I just have a lot, uh, I know but a lot you've of you've seen people, have, right? So stop making this excuse that you can't grow yeah. hair. You've seen other people who can grow hair and thought like, oh, having all that coming out of your back, off your, where it's coming off your back and out through the, your back of your shirt, like that's, that's a little like, bit too much back hair. 
It's like, that motherfucker looks like he's wearing a wool coat and he has a shirt off. Right, and they sweat like motherfuckers. Oh. <laughs> All right, so if that's your number two, uh, my my number two is ears. Oh, that's my number three. But ears is good. Wow. Yeah, I think ears is ears. excessive ear hair is bad. So I won't name him, but I, I know somebody in my life that I love very much that has an ear um, uh, hearing aid. And they've let the hair grow around the hearing aid and it's become so entangled. You, you kind of can't see the hearing aid at times and it's really disgusting. Well, maybe that's, is that part of a strategy? Like they don't want people to know that they have a hearing aid and they're trying to cover it up with their ear hair. I, I think it's more or less just not giving a shit. How old are they? We talking 70 plus? Yeah. I, oh, we're talking fine. 85 plus. No, they don't give a fuck. Right? <laughs> they're gonna pass i don't give a fuck 70 you can basically stop caring 75 you can really stop caring and 80 plus is don't care at all territory and i respect <laughs> I mean, it way to make fun fair. of your grandpa dude <laughs> uh, let's just move on uh my, my number one um i have private your private parts mm, i did not even put that on the list for some reason because yeah, I feel like that's just too easily trimmable. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it is, but I mean, let's be honest. There's a lot of people that that don't trim it. All all kinds of uh, uh, male, female, whatever. Like, there's a, a lot of people don't trim it. Have you ever been in a situation where you caught a lot more than you expected? <laughs> uh, without getting divorced, uh, yes. The the grass has not been mowed in quite some time. Yeah, but I'm not talking about just not mowed. Like, we're talking about, like, field on the side of the road. Uh, I mean, like, the the forest has been uh, let go for about 180 years. Oh, wow, like old growth forest. Yeah. Yes. If you're that interested in hearing about this, which nobody is, um, I, I guess send me a message and I'd be happy to fill you in on the story. I do not want to do it. Over uh, the podcast waves, though. What's the difference? They person could send you a message, then they could screenshot it and put it on social media. <laughs> I don't know. That's understand. very. That's that's very true. Okay, so uh, everyone, I'll please the, do the, that. The one minute version of it. Um, it was a, it was in college. It was a person. She had. She was already in a prearranged marriage. She came from a village in northern Michigan in the UP. So that should tell you a lot. And she just she just didn't. Didn't care, I guess. So that lasted all about uh, one date, and then that was over. So wait a minute, you're hooking up with some lady in a prearranged marriage? <laughs> uh, you know, we're all young and dumb at some point, right? So wow, dude, why don't you ruin other people's lives? <laughs> well, I, I don't actually think it got ruined because um, nothing happened. So it, what it do you is mean nothing is. happened? You found out about this situation. <laughs> It, it, it was it was it was one date and it was over. Nothing nothing happened. Can we just move on? Well, how can you sake? say that nothing happened when you found out about this whole situation? So obviously something happened. Maybe the whole <laughs> thing didn't happen, but you at least sounds like you got an appetizer. <laughs> Let, let's just let's just move on. Well, did you get an appetizer or not? Or did she what, just ran? Did, did did you get to the appetizer stage? Or not? Or do you just randomly saw it for no reason? You're just like <laughs> walking down the park after eating a meal, and she just decided to, here you go, take a look. All right, see you never again. 
Listen, I think everyone can fill in the blanks. What's what's? Your I don't think one? anybody can fill in the blanks. I think you can just fill in the blanks. It's a simple question. Like I, I, I don't want to answer. I feel like you just did. Well, well, fair enough then. What's your number one? My number one's not that great now that I think that. I mean, I should have put private parts. That should have been my number one. But I had nose just because it's so visible. I mean, that's fair. I mean, the, the nose is the nose. I mean, it, I mean, in terms of like, it's fucking gross. I get it. I just, yeah, you should have private parts somewhere on your list. Yeah, I messed up there. Okay, what's in your honorable mention? Uh, I have the unibrow hair. I don't yeah, know what that's called. That's a good one. That should honestly, I didn't even think about that. That should be even higher now. Um, I also, I don't consider the gooch as part of the private hair, so I put the gooch. I don't down. know what the gooch is. <laughs> it's the the barren wasteland that basically between your asshole and your your private part. For if you're a you know sport, I think it's more like I thought it's that was more the of, a, of a man thing, right? So it's pretty much. The middle between the dick and the butthole. I thought that was the grundle. <laughs> I've never even heard of a grundle. Oh, the, I don't even know what that is. Okay, a grundle and a gooch are actually a regional dialect for the same thing. They are technically referred to as the spot on a man's body that rests between the anus and the balls, and it is one of the many terms used to define this area where the sun does not shine. Also referred to as a gooch or the perineum is actually the anatomically correct way to refer to it. What are some other ways that people refer to it? <laughs> oh, Grundle Butter is a f- well-known thing. Okay, well, let's just, uh, yeah, my honorable mention, the only thing that I had would be like the neck. Back of the neck, that's a pretty bad place, I think, to have it. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. That's all that's... I got. <laughs> I also put, like, excessive facial hair, but, I mean, I'm, and that's more of, like, how people, you know, keep themselves, like, you know, or, you know how they keep themselves kept, so... Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Love to hear what you guys think. Not just about the professional companion interview, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. But where do you think is the worst place to have excess body hair? And if if you've got some real real serious excess body hair go ahead and send that a picture to uh the real john shull on twitter i'd appreciate if you guys just send him endless pictures of hairy parts